Good morning, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. It's a beautiful day in IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Um, we're celebrating Halloween tonight, so I'm actually doing this podcast dressed as Buddy the Elf from Will Ferrell. I'm going to try and make it the uh, little picture thing. So, uh, yeah, if you're wondering why this picture of me is Buddy the Elf, that's the picture for this podcast. Now you know. Let's kick it. I've decided I'm going to be staying ball talk with John Sock, but some things about my podcast are going to be changing. From this point on, I'm probably going to be doing a lot more interviews. There are a lot of amazing athletes at IMG with me, and I think it would be foolish not to take advantage of the opportunity and get them on the podcast. So without further ado, let's kick it. Carl Anthony Towns is the third best big man from his rookie class. Yeah, that's going to get some heads turning, isn't it? Nikola Jokic and Miles Turner are both better. I think that factually, Jokic is easily better than Cat. I think if you look, I don't think, even think it deserves a discussion, really. But people are all like, no, Cat's better than Jokic. No, no, no. They don't, they don't listen. They don't look at the stats. They just watch him play and they say, oh, he's better. But they don't, they don't look at stats. They don't even look at, like, advanced. I'm, looking, I'm talking basic stats. Like, wins. Basketball is about wins. The Minnesota Timberwolves had a better roster than the Denver Nuggets last year. The Minnesota Timberwolves had a better coach than the Denver Nuggets last year. And after the postseason, the Minnesota Timberwolves had a better draft position than the, than the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic was the leader of the Denver Nuggets. He was their offense. And the Nuggets defense is actually better with him on than off the court. When Jokic has the ball in his hands, it lets Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Wilson Chandler, and now Paul Millsap play much more freely. They can cut, spot up, or whatever, and they know if there's a way to find them, he will. Jameer Nelson was a starting point guard last year, and he wasn't even that bad. He's like 36. The dude's a fossil. He's starting on a team that was one game out of the playoffs. We almost had a 36-year-old Jameer Nelson starting on a playoff team. Think about that. Think about that. If Portland hadn't gone on that insane tear because Damian Lillard's a monster, then we'd be looking at Jameer Nelson trying to cover Steph Curry in the first round of the NBA playoffs last year. What has Cat done? He had an entire team of first-round picks, pretty much. A lot of high ones, too. Andrew Wiggins was first. He was a first. Chris Dunn's a a fourth. Shabazz Muhammad lottery. Zach Levine was late lottery and had a breakout season. Really a fantastic player. Adrian Payne, lottery. Gorgie Dang, 21st overall, but he was on the all-rookie team. Tyus Jones, 24th. There's a lot of guys who are supposed to do well alongside guys like Omar Cosby, Jordan Hill, Brandon Rush, and Cole Aldridge for veteran presence. By no means are these guys world beaters, but neither are the Denver Nuggets. Carl Anthony Towns did not lead them to the playoffs. Which, yeah, he's a second-year player. He doesn't have to. That's not the expectation of a second-year player to lead a team to the playoffs. But, if you want to be the best second-year player in the league, and someone else just led their team almost to the playoffs, you have to lead your team to the playoffs. So, I think that's pretty sound reasoning for why Jokic is better cat but now people hear that I think Miles Turner is better and they're like it's blasphemy 
for Stephen A. Smith for this blasphemy, blasphemy. Fact is, being a center is all about defense. Being an offense-only big doesn't work in today's NBA as a way to win games. The only one doing it is Nikola Jokic, who we just discussed, and who actually is trying on defense. DeMarcus Cousins is on his seventh year of not making the playoffs, and he is much better than Cat on offense and defense. Cat might be more talented than Miles Turner, but Miles Turner is better because he will be responsible. He is responsible for more wins, and in my opinion, winning is better, is it not? So yeah, Miles Turner is better than Carl Anthony Towns, because entirely because he's the defender, entirely because he's built more to the modern game. He is a seven-foot center, grabbing rebounds shooting the three, and playing elite defense. That's better than, you know, elite offensive guy who plays no defense. Yeah, he shoots the three, but, you know, having that full offensive game doesn't matter if you can't bring the defense to give up with it. You're not able to keep up. Like, for for example, a stat I saw today. Carl Anthony Towns is letting just, when Carl Anthony Towns is on the is on the court for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're allowing almost 120 points per 100 possessions. To put that in perspective, you want a little less than 100. That's good. You have like 98, that's that's good. You have like 105, you're like, all, all right, don't push it. You got 110, that's bad. Is that almost 120? Now, don't pull out some straw man on me after this. Like, oh, so is Kevon Looney an elite NBA player because he has two rings? Because everyone knows that that just means you don't have good defense. Like, you're the Minnesota Timberwolves and Carl Anthony Towns. Next, because I'm really love, I love talking about big men. Mark Gasol is the best big man in the league. Nikola Jokic is the second best big man in the league. And DeMarcus Cousins is third. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying... This is about the best player at the position, not the most talented at the position. Just like earlier, to be the best player at your position, in my opinion, you need to have one quality over any other quality. Your ability to lead your team to wins. <clears throat> I stress, lead and wins. Wins, plural. Devin Booker can lead his team while dropping 70 points, but if he doesn't even get close to winning, who cares? Robert Horry can win six rings, but he wasn't a leader. Not even a second option. Who really cares? Marcus Gasol is one of two centers that lead and wins. Centers that lead their teams right now, DeMarcus Cousins, or last season really, DeMarcus Cousins, Marcus Gasol, Carl Anthony Towns, and Nikola Jokic. Rudy Gobert didn't lead his team last year, but he will be this year. So I'm going to watch out for him as a good breakout candidate, as one of the best centers in the league. Now, that's pretty much it for leading centers. Four guys and Gobert possibly for this year. Maybe Vucevic, but let's the Magic are a weird team in their composition. They're kind of like lost, so I don't want to be like, oh, Vucevic, is I'm going to leave them alone. Now, good centers that win. There's a lot of these guys. Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Jordan, Hassan Whiteside, Mark Gasol. I'm going to give it to Nikola Jokic, even though he was one game below .500. Jonas Valanciunas. Al Horford, Miles Turner, Dwight Howard. Now, who made both lists? Gasol, Jokic. Gasol was a better winner than Jokic, so Gasol is number one. And he's been doing it for a long time. You can't sleep on that playoff streak they've got going down in Memphis. Jokic is number two. 
That's fair. I think I think that's a very fair way to do it. Now it comes down to raw talent. Who lead their, led their team? And if you lead your team, you're going to get a bonus for it, in my opinion, for the third best player at the center position. Jamarcus Cousins has far and away the best offensive arsenal of any big man in the NBA. I don't think that's a huge discussion. His defense, also, it's not bad. He's not much of a winner, though. But I'm going to give him third. Now I could go on and on until I'm blue in the face for 4-10, to 10, but I'm just going to stop at three. Speaking of DeMarcus Cousins, the Pelicans really should start to panic. I know it's really early in the season. I know you, know, you shouldn't be too freaked out. It's only been five games. No, 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 no. Don't worry, don't worry. It's, it's bad. It's, I, they almost lost to the Lakers. They were 0-2. I think they beat the Kings and the Lakers. Those are their wins right now. And they're, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins are putting up huge stat lines. There have been so many games where they've combined for 40 and 20. And they still, they're losing. They're losing. They continue losing. They need to fire their GM. They need to fire their coach. They need, they need to fire their owner even. Move the team. They're, they're done. As much as I don't want to wish moving a team on anyone, they aren't selling out any, they aren't selling out seats even though they have one of the most attractive, like in terms of like basketball-watching players in the league with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. They still can't sell out the stadium. They still can't put a winner on the, team, on the floor. That franchise needs to reboot, honestly. I mean, you know, hopefully they wouldn't have to trade Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, but I mean, that's looking like the realistic option right now. Blow it up, start all over, see what happens. And like it's, it's hard to say you should trade an Anthony Davis. I'm sitting here saying it and taking pauses that I like. I didn't write these pauses in. I didn't. I just I can't say it and just be okay glossing over the fact that I'm saying yes, you should trade one of the best centers in the league or power forwards in the league because you can't get a win because your team sucks. It's it's crazy, man. It's a crazy world in the NBA. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I need to stop talking about them. Pelicans make me sad. Ben Simmons will be Rookie of the Year. But I don't think he should be eligible for it. He shouldn't. He redshirted a year. He had an extra year of NBA training on all these guys. Now I know what you're going to say. Oh, John Brogdon was 24 last year and he won Rookie of the Year. How He had so many extra years in college. Shouldn't he, you know? Shouldn't, can you only be the rookie of the year if you're a one-and-done? And to that, I'm going to say there's a difference between college and NBA training. It's outstanding, the difference. The players have no limits on how often they can train in the NBA, how long they can train, the amount of trainers they have, the money that they have to take care of their bodies to go see all these new... The resources that you have to train in the NBA make college look like the Girl Scouts. They also aren't distracted with classes, which I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, no one cares about classes, no one goes to those, no, 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 no. A lot of these athletes take their classes seriously. They're brought up understanding the importance of an education. So they're going to pay attention to classes. A lot of them go back to finish their degrees during the summer. Man, now you're trying to get a serious degree over your one year, training as much as you can when you're allowed, as hard as you can, 
And of course, you know, there's gonna be some partying, of course. But you're distracted. You're not, you know, you're distracted by the partying, you're distracted by the by the homework, you're distracted by college life. You go to the NBA, yeah, you'll be distracted with NBA parties. But you've got a lot more time to go and train, a lot better resources to go out and train with. Hope you understand what I'm saying on that, because I'm going to move on and keep talking about this, about the Ben Simmons thing. Those things, those things I just talked about, they let these guys train so much harder. I'm a, I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer that the NBA needs to hurry up, get 30 D-League teams, and implement a real minor league system, drafting kids out of high school, drafting the five-star kids out of high school, getting them right into this, right into the training camps, right into like the NBA camps, so that they can work on their game more focused. A lot of these five-star guys, yeah, of course, if they want to go to college, send them to college, let them go to college, let them get an education. A lot of these five-star guys, really, like, they don't need a year at college. Ben Simmons didn't need a year at college. He didn't need a year at college. You can't convince me that he needed a year at college. You could, He could have gotten drafted the year before, probably gone top five. Andrew Wiggins did not need a year at college. They did a survey of the GMs before Andrew Wiggins went to college, and I think it was 30 out of 30 GMs said they would have taken him first overall. Now imagine if they could. They spend a year working on an NBA body. They don't go with the pro. They spend a year working on an NBA body. They're playing D-League guys. They get to be the man. They still get to build hype. get to build their brand. I think that the minor league system, they need to implement that. It would really help. But until then, Ben Simmons redshirted a year. And you don't look at a redshirt freshman the way you look at a redshirt, like a real freshman. You see a redshirt freshman walk onto the court, you're like, wow, he's big. He's a college player. He looks like a college. You see a real freshman walk on, you'd be like, oh, he's lanky. He's young. He looks like a kid sometimes. Now, I was watching, I was watching like some, I was watching the Duke, the Duke ACC game. Just uh, some highlights from that. And the amount that T Jason Tatum's body has changed. Is kind of nuts. That man got huge. That man put on a lot of muscle. He looked kind of lanky at times on that Duke team. Now I see him in the NBA. I'm like, wow, that guy is big. That guy is strong. That guy can muscle his way to a bunch of rebounds every night. That was just one summer. That was one. Imagine he had a whole year of that kind of training. Imagine he had a whole year where you didn't have to worry. You got the same sort of college schedule. But got to train NBA level the entire year. The guy would come into this first year in the league huge and ready. Huge and ready with the Arsenal moves. Alright, so the whole point of that rant, which a lot of it I didn't write honestly, was to say, if you redshirt, you shouldn't be able to win Rookie of the Year. Ben Simmons shouldn't be able to win Rookie of the Year. Next. Derrick Rose is injured again, and I thought we were going to see D-Wade, Jose Calderon, or Ramon Schumpert start at PG for the Cavs. We actually saw Jose, and it didn't go very well. But instead, we saw LeBron play point guard, and Colin Coward called him the best point guard in the league. Best point guard in the league wins the game, a game that you should win. Wins winnable games. That's what the best point guard in the league does. He wins winnable games. Not all the time. But, you know, if you're a top team, you're Chris Paul on the Clippers last year, you're the best point guard in the league. 
You're Russell Westbrook on the Thunder last year. You're the best point guard in the league. You're Steph Curry on the Warriors last year. You're the best point guard in the league. You beat the Bulls by 30. You beat the Magic. You beat the Nets. You beat the bottom feeders. You beat Phoenix. You beat these bottom feeding teams that are trying to get a better draft spot. You beat them. You don't just beat them by a little bit. You send them home crying. LeBron almost lost to the Bulls. Almost lost to the Bulls. And then he did lose to the Nets. Without D'Angelo Russell. And you're going to call him the best point guard in the league. LeBron needs a point guard. LeBron can't play point guard. LeBron, this is, LeBron can't be the point guard in the postseason. But the more I look at it, the more I'm like, LeBron might have to be the point guard in the postseason. LeBron might have to work more point guard this year because it's very likely that he does. Let's go over the Cavs, Cavs backcourt right now. We'll start with, they're two, they're two PGs. They're one PG, they're two PG. Are both huge injury risks. Same thing for their shooting guards. Yes, Rose will be back in a few weeks, but he's probably going to feel that ankle for the rest of the year. It won't be as strong when he lands as before. That's an injury risk. Isaiah Thomas is still out until July. Last I heard was his messed up. Last I heard was his messed up hip. That's an injury risk. Jose Calderon is 36. That's an injury risk. Dwayne Wade was breaking down when they were in Miami together, and he had to play LeBron ball in Miami. That was three years ago. Now they want him to run the second unit. They want him to be a starter sometimes. That's an injury risk. That guy is not ready for this. This guy is not. That guy can't take that kind of work. He was coasting in them on the Bulls. He's not ready for this kind of work. J.R. Smith missed half the season last year. That's an injury risk. The two most important positions regarding the Warriors. Point guard and shooting guard. Both have major injury risks. Is this the Cavs? Is this Cavs team really going to be able to win this year? No, not a chance. They're not better than last year, and they got handled last year. They got sent home last year. Jay Crowder and the injury award aren't going to make up for losing Kyrie, one of the clutchest players in the league. Lonzo Ball next. Lonzo Ball. Because you know we have to talk about Lonzo. He's already an elite passing and rebounding point guard. And he should be front runner for rookie of the year. Especially if you disqualify Ben Simmons like I think we should. His shot? Not fantastic, honestly. He needs to work on that. But he's a rookie. You know, you're allowed to be on-off shooting if you're a rookie. His passing skills are already amazing. He's fourth in the league in assists as I'm recording this, averaging nine a game. His rebounding skills are money, averaging nine a game as a point guard. He is already a top two rebounding point guard in the league. It is him and Russell Westbrook, the two best rebounding point guards in the league. Russell Westbrook, MVP. Lonzo Ball played five games in the NBA. And he's already shown he's one of the best rebounders at his position. That's really impressive. He drives to the bat, and when he drives to the basket, I mean, it doesn't go in. Let's let's be honest. It doesn't go in when he drives to the basket. I'm a lawn, I'm a Lonzo fan. It doesn't go in that often when he drives to the basket. But the way he does it, his form, the way he 
you know, the actual skill of driving to the basket, there's no flaws. He does it like a veteran. He's great at it. There's a lot of skill with it. But he's not doing a good job finishing. And I mean, that probably has something to do with the bigs that he was able to play against during pre- during preseason, during summer league, during the summer. It was Brooke Lopez, Ivica Zubak, Tarek, Tarek Block, and Thomas Robinson for his entire for the summer. Those were the bigs he got to work with. His NBA bigs that he got to work with during the summer at Los Angeles Lakers training facilities. Lopez is a good re- defender, but not amazing. He's not a top defensive center. He's not like gonna block you into the next dimension. He's just smart with his rotations. He's a smart rotating, and yeah, that'll make it hard. But he's nothing like DeAndre Jordan or a bunch of the other centers that I named earlier. Zubak is grounded. That man can't jump. He's got like a, I think he literally has a 12-inch vertical. And I say that literally. I'm not, I'm not trying to dish on the man. His combine number was a 12-inch vertical. You could get a pizza box under there. That's about it. Tyreek Block. Black. I keep saying Block. I don't know why. Tyreek Black. Tyreek Black. Undersized. Six foot eight or nine at the center position. That's not gonna cut it. That's not that's not starting NBA center size. Thomas Robinson, another undersized guy. I think he's six nine. Another guy. That's not he's not used to playing against big men like the towers of DeAndre Jordan, Rudy Gobert, Hassan Whiteside, all these big guys that he's gonna have to go against all year. So yeah, he's gonna have a year of rough driving, but figure it out. Also, I think a lot of it will start coming when his teammates learn to hit shots. They're not doing a good job hitting open shots. Brandon Ingram's improved. The rest of them aren't fantastic. But once they start hitting shots, the, the paint will open up a lot more. He'll be able to drive in and get what he wants a lot better. He also was doing some great job defending. It was really... That first game, he did a fantastic job defending. He came up with three blocks, but was only credited for one. Thanks, Lakers Film Room, for letting me watch that. Just watching around, you watch, and you're like, yeah, this guy's not a bad defender. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. His defense, his offense, already, his offense is already at an elite level. His defense is already at like a past, an elite level for NBA point guards because NBA point guards don't play defense. Or starting NBA point guards don't play defense. I think we keep playing like this. Yes, you know, game one included. Game, last game against John Wall included. Not just game two. He should have been Rookie of the Year. He should be considered a Tier 3 point guard. Tier 1 being just Steph Westbrook, John Wall, Chris Paul. No, not even Chris Paul. Tier 2 being Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Michael Conley. And tier 3 being guys like Jeff Green, George Hill, the above-average starters who you're super happy to have on your team. I think Lonzo Ball belongs in that third category at worst if he keeps playing like this the rest of the year. He plays any better. He finds a shot before the end of the year. I can see him being Tier 2. I could see him being tier one. Yeah, I could see I could see it. I could see him being one of the top four or five point guards in the league if he learns out if he figures out that shot before the end of the year. Alright, while we're talking about while we're talking about Lonzo, I'm gonna say LeVar Ball might not have been so crazy to suggest that if you put Lonzo instead of Steph on the Warriors, they would win the championship. But that has a lot more to do with the fact that we have a team with two a team with KD. Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, Lonzo Ball. You could really put most starting point guards in that situation. 
with KD, Draymond, Clay, and they'll probably win a championship. They're still going to be the favorites. You don't need Steph for them to be a favorite. As much as Steph is the most important part of that team, I'm standing by it. You can put most point guards on that team, especially someone like Lonzo Ball with his amazing passing skills and rebounding skills. I think they do pretty good. I think they could still win the championship. Maybe six or seven games, but I think they still win. Next. Still talking about Lonzo. I really... I should chill with the Lonzo, but whatever. This is fun. Patrick Beverly, amongst others, they need to... He needs to calm down and act like a man. He's almost 30. You're really going to scream, effing win, weak A, mother effers. Don't put that mother effer on me after that, after that first game. You had 10 points on 33% shooting. You took 12 shots to get 10 points. Congratulations, you did an alright job covering a rookie in his first NBA game. You should be so proud. When's the parade? Lonzo Ball still got to the rack, still made the passes he wanted to, still threw full court passes right above all the Clippers to guys like Lopez and Ingram, who messed it up. Like, Lonzo would have had a double-double, maybe even a triple-double, if his teammates could have, like, finished layups, finished shots, you know, hit some shots for him. If you look at the film, Lonzo looked a lot more bothered by DeAndre Jordan than he was by Patrick Beverly. Like I said earlier, he wasn't ready for the big bodies like DeAndre Jordan. Patrick Beverly, alright, he's got a little point guard trying to get on him. Whatever, he can do that before. Never played, played a guy like DeAndre Jordan. He definitely was not ready for that. And I think the way I think the way that Patrick Beverly he's 30. The way that Patrick Beverly handled himself was very poor. He's a vet. He's a veteran. He shouldn't be acting so childish, getting excited about beating a teenager. Next point, Lou Will's daughter Googled him the other day. Wonder how you explained to your daughter that you had two girlfriends. That must have been awkward. Hey. Oh, you got also got a shout out in a Drake song. I hope I hope he showed her that. And said, look, daddy was wild, but uh Daddy got that Drake shout out. Daddy got did he win six? Daddy got that sixth man of the year. Daddy's a winner. A little crazy, but a winner. Next, uh, I was going through uh, the 2012, I think it was 2012, 2013, 2012 draft class with Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist that went, that went, uh, that won the chance. That... Let me restart that. The final, the National Championship Kentucky team with Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. The people, the one and dones from that draft class are 24. Only 24. That's Anthony Davis, Steven Adams, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and Bradley Beal. Those guys are 24. I think Giannis is 23. And they feel like they, I feel like they've been in the league for so long. That was right when I started watching basketball was those guys. That was right when I really started like I was like 14 or something. I was like, oh, I like basketball. I'm going to watch basketball. Those guys have been with me through my entire time in the league. I forget how young they are. It's ridiculous. Next. Who will step up in the East? Everyone knows what happened to Boston. Gordon Hayward goes down. They haven't been winning as much. They're 3-2. and two, But they went down. They were down 0-2. Oh now they're 3-2. and two. Doesn't look good. Doesn't look like they're going to... Like Hayward will be back this season, and I don't think they can go all the way without Hayward. 
So who's going to step up in the East? Who's going to be the team that sits on first seed until LeBron decides to start trying? In Milwaukee, Colin Coward thinks that they could be the second seed. I have a lot of respect for his opinion. Giannis is having an MVP level season, and they're winning games. Maybe the Wizards. The Otto Porter playing like he earned that max contract, almost 20 a game. They've got some great chemistry and a very strong team. Maybe Charlotte? Charlotte's been surprisingly good since the start of the season. Dwight Howard's been playing like a beast. Kemba's still awesome. All that. But no. None of those three. I'm telling you now, it will be the Raptors that have the honor of being the first team, of being the last team that LeBron eliminates in the East. In fact, I think they could beat LeBron this year. Their team is looking really, really good with the addition of C.J. Miles. DeMar DeRozan looks fantastic. DeLon Wright is balling. Norm is balling. And they all seem to be matching well. They finally have a full year with the Ibaka, DeMar, Kyle Lowry core. And I think that I think that, that one year, that this one... I think finally having a full offseason training camp under their belt with that big three will really make a difference. And I think that they could be, I think that they could knock the, the Cavs off if the Cavs are injured, if the Cavs are not ready. I think it's possible. Every great, every great streak has to end at some point. Every great final, especially a final streak like that, it's, it's got to end at some point. We've never seen four teams, we've never seen four years of the same two teams going back to back to back to back to back. Never. Lakers had three. Most teams don't get over four. You know, you're looking at... I think it's just... I think it's just, just the Celtics. I can't remember. I had the list written down somewhere else on a different document, but I don't have that with me now. Someone has to knock either LeBron or the Warriors out. I think that the Raptors will knock LeBron out. They were undefeated. They were actually undefeated until they ran into the Spurs and Golden State Warriors in three or in two or three days. I can't remember if they were back to back or two and three. But I think that the Raptors are really legit this season. They might go. They might make a real run this year. I'm hoping. I'm hoping they're fine. They're running out of time. I think this is their year. Last point for the night. What are the Jazz going to do on offense? Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood has been the answer. But really, like, let me pull this up. Ronnie Hood, 16 a game. Rudy Gobert, 14 and a half a game. Rubio, 14 a game. Derek Favors, 13 a game. Joe Ingles, 11 and a half a game. They really don't have any, like, serious, serious scoring threats on this team. They're fully relying on Rodney Hood, which is an experiment, but... I guess it's going to be good plan this year. They should really emphasize, in my opinion, they should really emphasize slowing down the pace to a grinding halt so that they can play as little offense as possible. All right, so this was my first, um, you know, analysis podcast in a little bit. I'm really happy to bring it back to you guys. And uh, I'm going to go celebrate Halloween early. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening.